0: everybody welcome back here for a chat with pat we are here in the annotate lab the new beautiful studio from the annotate agency team so big thank you to kane and amy and uh before we get going into this i'm sure to be amazing episode please don't forget to like and subscribe please um if you haven't done so already i'm sure you're going to do it after this episode because it's going to be amazing interview um with no further introduction i'm joined by probably one of the best fitness coaches in melbourne the inspiring very strong, Max Pertel. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, my man. Welcome.
1: That's an amazing um, introduction, Patty. (laughs) Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Keen to get stuck into a big chat with you.
0: Nah, I really appreciate uh, you giving up your time, mate. And, um, you know, I guess... I remember the first time I met you, mate Down at Revel mm. Training um, Look I, I won't be lying I remember we chatted About this When we first met And sat down for a coffee And I got to know more About your story But yeah. I remember First met you And I was like Geez this guy's He's big He's, he's a little bit Intimidating Very <laughs> confident But then I got to know you And your story And I was, it was Somewhat Sighted on your Instagram and stuff mm. oh, I couldn't be left but more motivated and inspired from yourself and your ambitions to make everyone better and Appreciate your health that, and well
1: being, man. man. You're intimidated by me the first oh, time. Oh, I mean.
0: no, I guess I'm just by big guys, you know? Yeah, <laughs> <It's> crazy, <laughs> but, right? but inspiring, intimidating, inspired. It's like, I want to get like that. Man, you know? I
1: reckon that's something that I've really not battled with, yeah. but that's something that I've really tried to flip yeah. since getting into the gym. Yeah. Starting to get a little bit bigger because <laughs> I don't reckon being an intimidating person is very nice. You yeah. want to be welcoming yeah. and make people feel comfortable. But sometimes when you start lifting, yeah. it's almost like you have a chip on your, chip on your shoulder, shoulder. So yeah. it's hard to almost break the two up. Exactly. But as you get a little bit older and as I started getting to, in getting into training other people... You realize that being intimidating and being that yeah. hot guy that people stand back yeah. from is not good exactly. it's not what you want you want to be inviting for people yeah exactly very inviting man especially when we got
0: to know each other i mean i mean um, can you please please just tell the audience i guess mm. why not right back i mean melbourne boy did you grow up here video yeah, background I grew up in melbourne, man yeah. i haven't
1: really strayed too far honestly grew up in well initially hillsville and then my parents yeah. moved out to Mal- moved us out to Melbourne. me my brother my mum, my dad when i was two maybe three and then I went to school in Camberwell grew up here playing sport and now I live in Paran so I haven't really straight too far. I've done a lot of travel but I've always found Melbourne my home base yeah for now yeah for now yeah how was I mean Or oh, you've always been quite athletic and sporty guy I've always been very into sport yeah I've always found a very um It's been a good outlet. I've always found I've been very good at it. And generally Mm. when you're good at something, you stick to it. And I've always been a pretty hard worker, especially when it's come to physicality. So I got into basketball and footy when I was younger. And then probably when I was around, and I was playing them both pretty hardcore. And then when I was about 14, I'm 26 now. When I was about 14, I had to give one up. It was too much. I had to pick my lane. I was like, which one am I gonna commit to a little bit more? I liked both. I loved both. Probably loved watching basketball a bit more Um, and footy, a lot of injuries. (laughs) Like I was actually lucky to not really get injured, but minimum Corky and finger, minimum. Every game. Every game. something. And, And I've actually really had the urge to go back and play I've played a couple games here and there since I've been 14, but I just it's just destroys my body, man. And what's interesting is I really got into basketball and started playing a pretty high level of basketball five, six times a week. Really committed to that. And then I actually fell didn't fall out of love with basketball, but I fell more in love with the fitness side of things. Mm. So during the drills, and as we get a little bit older, we start adding things like push ups and actual functional movements. I started getting into the fitness side of things more than basketball. And then I almost had to close that door to really open the door of fitness, personal training, and then helping people in that avenue. Yeah. So it's, it's been quite a development. I've always been into sport. And man, sport's great because, especially in my field now, I realize how important sport is to get people moving. Because not, a lot of people aren't motivated to just go to the gym and lift. Yeah. Or a lot of people aren't motivated to run on a treadmill. Yeah. But if you put someone an hour on the tennis court, for example, and you get them hitting back and forth, a little bit of competition, that's mu- much more su- sustainable. Mm. And that's a program you're going to adhere to more. Mm. So sport's always been a very, very big part of yeah. like my upbringing.
0: Was there almost like a point... I Guess during up, you talk about realizing the actual drills and the training. Mm. Was there a point where like you kind of sat there and thought, I actually love the part? Like, you know, for example, I use the analogy, I loved pre season sometimes more than actually playing the sport itself.
1: Um, (laughs) there wasn't a pinpoint, yeah. It's like everything's progressive, right? Like, I started, um, I started, (laughs) I remember fitness (laughs) first, right? They that was like my first gym. And when I was 15, 16, they did a thing for teens over summer where they let you in for free. Mm. So purely for basketball, I started going to the gym for that reason. And that was to get better at my skills, be a little bit stronger. I wasn't the tallest guy on the court, especially as we're getting older. Like people just keep growing and i kind of stayed at six foot, six Mm. one. So I had to be physical, fast, strong. And I started going to the gym for those reasons. But then I started loving aesthetics and performance on like a, which I didn't really know too much about it at the time, but I started loving it more from a component standpoint. Mm. For example, I started loving lifting heavy. I started loving uh, getting bigger. I started loving running faster and I didn't really care about it carrying over into basketball. Mm. It kind of started blending more into or or edging more in the way of just fitness in general. Mm. Yeah, and I've kind of carried that
0: level ever since. Man. Ever since. Yeah, wow, it, it's it's amazing when um you talk about you know the performance numbers within the training, mm. like and how that confines you instead of the you know the sport itself. Mm. Um, so as you've gone on, you've had this m- pretty solid athletic background. Yeah. When did you have that deep dive purely into fitness and, and health?
1: <sighs> Probably around twenty. Twenty. I stopped yep. playing youth league ball, and then I started. Just purely gymming, and there was nothing holding me back from going really, really hard in the gym. Mm -hmm. Because when I was playing basketball, you go to the gym and you lift, which I base a lot of my training around. Your game changes, so you might be on the court a lot, but you show up to training and your layup feels different because your biceps be bigger, (laughs) or your shot feels off because it's your muscles are changing. And I was like, fuck, like, what's the trade-off here? Like, what do I like more? And then when I made the decision to stop, and there was other reasons why I stopped yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, it's such a big time commitment. Mm. Like, you start, you're playing Friday nights when you're in your juniors and then Sunday mornings you're getting out for training, so you don't really have too much of a social weekend with your friends. Mm. Lucky at that, that time you're in school, so you see your mates every day anyway. Yeah. But I started getting a little bit sick of the time commitment. And I was like, when I, if I go and train by myself, I can kind of manipulate that time. I can do it whenever I want. I'm not bound by, you know, a strict schedule and I can kind of do it when I want. So there wasn't a particular time, man. But around 20 is when I started going hardcore. I was at uni. Quickly kind of realized I didn't want to be at uni anymore. Yeah. and I wanted to study personal training. I was like, you know what? I'd rather study something I'm passionate about and then give my knowledge and passion to other people because what i've realized is mm. this isn't something that i'm just knowledgeable about that i've uh, accumulated a wealth of knowledge over a long period of time but it's actually something i love yeah so when you're teaching other people it's like people don't care about me like reading the book the text to them yeah like anyone yeah. can do that chat GBT, mm. you know chat you be anything you want Now, Mm. but it's like people want someone that's passionate, someone that's done it themselves. So when someone comes to me with a goal, even if the goal doesn't necessarily match up with what I think is the best goal to have, I can help them because I've most likely been there myself. Yeah, exactly. So I see um a lot of value that I can give. Well, I think sometimes
0: the greatest knowledge or experience is. Definitely the one you've just been through yourself. Oh, 100%. And especially as males. 100%. Especially, I think, as males, and you talk about, you know, going to the gym and then, you know, lifting, because it's like, you know, I'm a guy coaching another guy. Look, we have pretty similar, you know, you know, we like training and mm. we're pretty we're males in this world. You know, this is what you gotta do from someone that's been there and built it themselves. You know, there's nothing actually better than mm. seeing someone and trying to upskill yourself in that way. Mm. Um, especially with training. I mean, overall, I mean we'll take it back to your personal journey. I yeah, mean yeah. amongst this, um there was also a pretty a big hiccup hiccup and probably in your life that I haven't actually uncovered or heard the story of, but you've mentioned a few times. There was probably a bit of a diagnosis you had in your early twenties, was it, which yeah, it altered altered your life.
1: Do you mind taking the audience through? Yeah, days, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was twenty one, I was diagnosed with a really rare skin cancer, yeah. and. So I had a bump on my head. I'll take you right back, man. Yeah, I haven't even told you this story. I'll I'll just take you right right back. I haven't actually delved into this for a little while. Um, So I was 21. And man, when I was 21, like I had just stopped playing basketball Mm. full on and I was really into my fitness, rarely drunk, didn't take drugs, don't smoke. I was a very, very healthy guy. And then I had a bump on my head and my mom she's a very in your face loving nurturing italian woman <laughs> so she's like darling get that checked and i'm like all right i will and i like kind of brushed it off for a couple of weeks didn't really do anything about it she kept hammering me on it kept persisting So sort to of set her mind it wasn't even for me it was to set her mind at ease mm-hmm. i was like okay i'll go and get it checked when i went to get it checked they did an ultrasound And the diagnosis was basically a cyst, a sebaceous cyst to be precise, and then lipoma. And basically both of them are fat deposits and I had long hair, man. Now, obviously I have have super short hair, but it was, I had really long hair and you couldn't even see this bump, but it was there. And the diagnosis was these two, two fat deposits, you can... Leave it if you want to, you can get it out, but it's not going to grow. And I quote, will not turn into anything cancerous. So I left it yeah. and this was probably March or April of 2018. And then I went away to Sri Lanka in the middle of the year. And Sri Lanka is hot, man. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so you're at the beach. And probably not the best healthcare as well. Nah, <laughs> no, no, no. But, but I'd had the diagnosis yeah, that before, nothing was wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I could take care of it if I wanted, but it, if it wasn't bothering me, it didn't really matter. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hell yeah, like I don't care. I told my mom it was fine. The health element was more important than the aesthetic element. Like it didn't really matter if I had the bump. I didn't care. I didn't really notice it until I went to Sri Lanka. Because when I went to Sri Lanka, we were at the beach the whole time. Sri Lanka was actually awesome, man. It was yeah. like the World Cup was playing when we were there. It was, it was an amazing vibe, but it's on the beach and it's hot. We're on the beach every day. And that's when it started to bug me a little bit. From a visual standpoint, because my hair, when I got out of the water, started parting near this bump, and the bump's probably a twenty cent piece. So I'm like, okay, when I get back, and I was there for close to a month. I was like, okay, when I get back, I'm gonna take care of this. I went to a, I went to a different doctor from my normal doctor when I got the original diagnosis. But I was like, when I go back, I want to get it taken care of with my family GP. My mum's seen her for like thirty years. Um, she's awesome mm. So I was like Okay I'll, I'll go to her And I'd watch some Some videos On how they take care Of the, this type of thing Super simple procedure Local anesthetic In the off GP's office Little incision Take the pocket of fat out Hardly any bleeding Done So I came back And it was end of July So I just turned 22 And um, My doctor's working From behind me And she does a Local anesthetic And about 45 minutes passes and I'm talking. I was like, how is it doc? Like, you know, what's going on? Like, is it fine? And there's blood everywhere. Like I'm, you know, she's wiping it all up. She's like, uh, she's taking it out and wiping it all up. And I'm like, okay, well, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Like, this is a little bit unfamiliar. And she had that classic doctor tone (laughs) when I was asking her, what's up? Like, um, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. But she was also like, not necessarily, th- not necessarily thinking that things weren't fine, but she was unsure about what was going on Happened. and trying yeah. to set my mind at ease. Yeah. So she took it out, said she got it, stitched it up. It was way too sore to touch. Probably five days pass, and I was due to go back to get the stitches out. I roll in to the doctor's office, or to, to her office, and um, I said, and she shuts the door, and she's like, Max, it down. And I was like, before you say anything, I just want to let you know that the bumps back. Like, is that normal? And I'd been like Google self diagnosing, like yeah. swelling in the area. Like, I didn't really I thought know. thought you'd get was on the front out. foot as well. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. I was know. like, okay, okay, this is something like, you know, it's normal. Yeah. Like, it is, it is what it is. And also, when you're, when you're specifically diagnosed that it can't be anything cancerous, that's thrown out of your head. Like you're not even thinking yeah. about it because these are like experts above you. Especially, like you're, yeah. You're not thinking that they, they've they got it wrong because they've like explicitly said like, this is the way it is. Especially when you're 21, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, yeah. dude. It's yeah. <laughs> like, man, even it's amazing when you're 21, you think you know everything. Yeah. And then when you get to 25, you're like, wow, I knew nothing. It's like, you think you know everything. I knew nothing. And you trust nearly everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And um, yeah, so I told her that, it was back and she said well Max I actually sent off the substance that I took out of your head off for a biopsy and you got something pretty nasty and then the penny dropped and I was like okay it's cancer and I just said it to her and then she's like it's a form of cancer Mm -hmm. and I was like and I wasn't upset or anything Uh, I was just angry I was like what do you mean I was told it couldn't be cancer and this was four or five months ago so I'm like, okay, I could have dealt with this And Like what the hell's going on? And she's like, Max, it is so rare and so microscopic. You can't see it, nor would you ever be looking for it. I, don't get angry at the doctor that you yeah. saw. I would have diagnosed you the exact same, same way. And then I say, okay, well, what is it? And then she said, I've actually never seen it before. It's um, it's called dermatofibrosarcoma Protuberans. and that took dude, that took me like six months to actually learn. That took me so long to learn. In fact, the first time I learned it was right before I got surgery to get it out, and right before they put the mask on with the anesthetic, I'm like, hey, my my doctor ended up um, up being someone different, my surgeon. I was like, hey, Morris, his name is. And I was like, hey, Morris, just before I go to sleep, man make sure you get the dermatofibrosarcoma protuberans. And he's like, <laughs> wait, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, how the fuck did you know that? Oh, yeah. God. Because it's abbreviated to DFSB and it's always just said like that. Yeah. And basically, Julie, who was my GP, she didn't know what it was. She'd only read about it in uni. The statistics for it, one in a million and of the one in a million, 5% of that get it on the head. So when I found out about it, me and my mates are like doing some calculations. We're like, what the fuck? Like 5% of it on the head. Like, what, is that? what does that mean? So 350 people out of 7 billion, we're probably at 8 billion people now, roughly. Yeah. But 350 out of 7 billion, 150 people out of 7 billion get it. Yeah. And so Julie not knowing what the hell was going on kind of makes sense. sense. So she referred me, the guy she referred me to referred me again. And then that guy ended up being my surgeon. Yeah. And then he kind of took care of it from there, man. Wow. But it took a few goes because it would yeah. grown. And because you can't see it, it's... They do like a protocol. Uh, they do like a protocol cutout, which yep. is the two centimeter by two centimeter radius. To get specific about it, around the bump, and then from there, the biopsy says a direction to go. So you need to go more five o'clock, six o'clock. That's where the rest is. But they don't know exactly where, so they because because the, the cancer does something called skip lesions, which means that it, it grows little tentacles out from the site. And then it does, it jumps under the skin and then pops up in other places like little islands so it'll be like a general area but then it's another protocol yeah okay the next is five by five so when i found out that it, it had spread it wasn't even a direction it was everywhere and this is when i'm like dude this motherfucker that misdiagnosed me man, and it came back to that yeah even though i was told that it wasn't, it wasn't. anything to do you know you, it, you can't it's out of his control I was like man I could have dealt with this straight away I would have mm-hmm. gotten this taken out I was told don't even worry about it yeah. and now it's grown and I'm like thinking shit man it's entered like my brain and you start thinking worst case scenario and the hardest part the hardest part is seeing the people around you hurting oh, yeah easily like I was ready to take it on I was like oh, no doubt I could ready imagine. to take it on yeah. I'm like I can I can do this like I'll be fine like this is a, a battle and man I'd, I'd I've done so much self-help reading and podcasting since I was younger. I'm always a non-fiction reader and podcaster. I don't really delve into fiction too much. could be a bit of a downfall as well, but I I just love more self-help stuff. Mm. And I undoubtedly know that the battles you go through when you come out on the other end are your triumphs. There's always a silver lining, but it's hard to see during yeah oh it's the hardest thing it's hard to see during when you look back especially when your family is like crying around you and they see the younger son in pain and they don't really know what to do and especially something that's out of your control. Yeah, like exactly. completely out of your control. Mm. Right?
0: Like, you know, for someone have your mentality it's like I'm still gonna look at the silver lining, I'm still gonna think positive. Like people complain about the most like smallest things that, you know, is somewhat within their control. They can mm. change
1: the result, but people with cancer who have these diagnoses can't, mm. essentially. You know? It's it's funny you say that, man, because I remember when I got the diagnosis, every little thing that was bothering me at the time mm. meant nothing i think yeah like i remember i had something going on at like i can't even remember exactly man but probably something going on with the girl i was seeing and you know uni i wasn't sure about and just little petty shit man and i was like this actually means nothing all i was thinking about at that point was fuck i'm actually not gonna survive to see my kids yeah like so that crossed your mind that hundred percent that was one of the first things that crossed my mind yeah i was like like That was one of the first – although it wasn't on my radar at all, probably still isn't too much, man, maybe five, six, seven years down the line. But that was the first thing that crossed my mind. I was like, wow, man, I'm like an infant in the scheme of life and I'm getting closer now, getting closer. And the other big kick was the fact that I dedicated so much of my time to staying healthy. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it's hard not to cry. Why me? Initially, oh. I flipped it quick. I was able to flip that quick because I guess you guess you know where. Mm. But it's very hard not to, especially when you do everything. Let's say right mm. quotations. Um, but the interesting thing as well, man, is I wasn't even. Um, I wasn't even necessarily. Uh, training for health is my main pillar. Yeah. Always a factor, but uh, performance well and aesthetics it's, probably it's, came before that. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, surely I took care of this as well. Exactly. Surely I took care it's of this. It yeah. wasn't necessarily in the forefront of my mind, but yeah. like out of these three, and less so in um, feel good as well. Exactly. Performance, aesthetics, feel good, and health, overall health. Like, come on, surely I'm taking care of that as well. Eating the way I was, taking care of my body the way I was, training a mix of cardio resistance and still got me, man. Yeah. Still got me. How long was it
0: between first being told, like being with your family doctor and, you know, and then having pretty much a diagnosis to, you know, genuinely
1: kind of getting the all clear? How long was this journey and this battle? Uh, That's a really good question, man. Yeah. So when I got the diagnosis by myself from my GP, yep. I tried to keep it from my mom. Yeah, wow. <laughs> like, Cause you know, she was gonna worry Well, I was it. like, okay, <laughs> she's gonna sob and yeah. she's gonna cry. And I was like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to take care of it. Yeah. Like I'm, I have a positive mindset towards it now. I got my anger out of the way. I had a big walk after the, yep. the consult. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to take care of this. And my mother's uh, predicted sobbing, uh, wasn't what I wanted at all. Um, so I tried to keep it from her, yeah. but she knows me well. I'm very close with my mother. Yeah. And she straight away knew. She's like, so what happened? Like when you got the stitches out, how are they? I was like, yeah, like everything's fine. And she's like, what? And then I couldn't look her in the eyes. And she's like, what happened? And I was like, it's bad. So like she, she read me straight away. And then I told her, mm and she puts her hand I remember it so clearly Patty she goes she goes and then she puts her hand up and she high-fives me she goes like we got this and I was like "Fuck yeah like that's exactly what I needed and I should should have given her more credit yeah should have given her more credit because she didn't she was upset of course but she knew how to respond and that gave me more energy which was good because, man, when people are around you being, um, yeah, sad, pessimistic, negative, that breeds that exactly. culture, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm i a really big believer of you got to, yeah, you got to surround yourself with people with a more positive mindset than negative. And my family are, are very, very good at that. I think we've kind of, um, my parents have, instilled that in me and i think it's very important to instill that in others because man not everyone is feels that way all the time yeah. not everyone feels motivated and inspired all the time No, nah, definitely not but man you um underestimate the power of coming in with high energy even when you don't feel like it and completely changing someone's day yeah. it makes a really big difference and i don't feel upbeat and stuff all the time Nah. Like not at all, man. Like yeah. Sometimes I just want to like curl up <laughs> and chill and like Yeah, hundred percent. Like that's just but at the same time, I do get really, really driven by um seeing other people succeed yeah. and be happy. Yeah. Like that's a really, really big driver for me. Yeah. That's like intrinsic motivation. Do you feel like
0: I mean, you mentioned it a few times, Mm. like how's, it seems like your, how's your perspective changed? I think I might know the answer from in health and fitness since then, like you've mentioned Um, a few points, but how is your health, like from going to aesthetic and then going through this big triumph of battling cancer to now just being this really intrinsic motivation of helping other people, you know, and you know, health and fitness is not just, you know, how you look and fitness, but it's about helping people, putting the energy you put out and stuff How's that changed over the years?
1: This might be an answer that you're not uh, going to guess, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> so, the biggest thing that changed for me is to... The biggest thing after the diagnosis and after I got through it, that changed in my mind, was I need to have more balance. Yeah. I was like, okay, I was this guy that did everything right and I'm not going to go the other way and just be a, you know, a dickhead and go off the rails. Yeah. But I'm like, I need to have more balance because regardless of doing everything right, your poison is going to get you anyway. Yeah. So life is about having a little bit of fun, maybe having a drink, going out with your mates, yeah. not necessarily carrying Tupperware everywhere you go, yeah, that right. type of stuff, right? And I still really um, enjoy that. I want to call it an art form. Like I still really enjoy taking care of my diet and my training. I love that. But... At the same time, you really got to have everything else on an even keel. Yeah. It's very, very important. Relationships, family, work, friends, like everything. All, all that stuff needs to be in balance because I don't know why I got sick and I'm really good friends with my surgeon. I train him now. Yeah, wow. He's a good mate of mine and he is a legend. <laughs> and he's – um, over the last few years, man, I've asked him – couple of times maybe like six month gap in between year gap in between like what did i do to like why did it happen to me because it's not out of curiosity yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like what did i do there's got to be there's got to be something that i did mainly in my life that was probably pushing it in that direction and he he always just says to me he's like do nothing luck of the draw complete luck of the draw name out of a heart you were drawn this is just how it is so man balance balance is everything
0: Why do you think now, again, the the males now moving to the health? Males do struggle with that when you've probably seen it a million times, Mm. man. Like going straight in the gym and just, you know, lift heavy, you know, get strong, look Mm. good, you know, cut that other side of your life out. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we struggle with that? I've always been super curious about it. Is it lack of knowledge, education? Mm. Is it um, lack of values about where we're steering towards our health and fitness? Why do you think
1: that is? What's your question? I
0: mean, how do you think when young males go into the the gym? first thing is like general, generally aesthetics and we're, we're slowly moving in this direction yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. in a more holistic way but why do you think we steer towards aesthetics and body image and things like that mm. instead of you know let's look at the smaller things let's look at your mental training let's look at these other things as well man I think
1: it's um, I think it's dependent on your age Yeah. so like I see a wide range of clientele ranging from mm. 20 to e- even younger man I've seen like let's let's take yeah. let's take the bracket 10 all the way through to 65. I think yeah. my oldest client's around 65, 66. In fact my old man, my dad 68 yeah on that timeline, there's going to be an evolution of those four things we spoke about before Aesthet- let, let's say three for the purpose of this aesthetic, feeling good and then longevity mm. like living a long healthy life, which I was saying I didn't really wasn't really in the forefront of my mind when I was 2021 20, there's going to be a massive evolution generally of the order of those three when you're 10 I don't necessarily think you care too much about sex no. you care about having fun more the play right yeah you want exactly right. you want you want to play you want to have a little bit of fun you want a bit of competition then as you start getting a little bit more testosterone in your body and you're a teenager you start wanting to look good and generally why is that? To attract the opposite sex, Sex. yeah, that's just generally how it is. Except a lot of the time, males that want to get bulky end up attracting the male. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only. That's the only thing. thing. Especially because the main objective of guys, it was mine, hundred percent. When I started lifting, I just wanted to get big and swole And generally, that's not what females necessarily gravitate towards. Anyway. And then as you start to get a little bit older and you have kids of your own, you have responsibility to take care of them. And then you start thinking more about health, longevity, feeling good, waking up so you can show up for them, waking up down. so you can show up yeah. for work. So I think it changes. But I think now when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, all the way through until you maybe have a, like a long term girlfriend. Aesthetics is purely because you want to go out, look good, attract the opposite sex. Like it's, yeah. it makes sense. It's a bit of competitive nature. Yeah, it too. makes sense. Yeah. And man, I, I agree with you. I think that the industry is definitely moving in the direction of, especially post COVID. I don't yeah. want to talk obviously too much about Yeah. COVID, same. But, <laughs> but like obviously post COVID, the like mental health is such a big thing. So it's such a big um, it's a big thing that you want to make sure you take care of and staying fit and healthy is obviously very very important for that element so there's a lot of information coming out regarding the science behind all of that which is good mm. which is really really good Yeah. in regards
0: to that information that's mm. coming out I mean what would you say is probably some of the biggest myths that you'd like to I guess talk about and break down within the fitness industry itself biggest so, myths yeah yeah like like (laughs) max max like six probably wants to break biggest myths in
1: the industry yeah uh okay i got a few yeah i got a few uh first thing that comes to mind is um and i'm not knocking six eight 12 week challenges i'm not i'm not tell me about it they they get you uh they get you like it's a kickstart for you yeah they get you moving which is good but relying solely on these challenges to make a lasting change is just firstly, unrealistic. Mm. And secondly, the wrong attitude. It's like saying like, I wanna, after the 12 weeks, I wanna win fitness. Mm. You don't win win. in fitness. This is a journey. Like it's, it's, it's a life thing, you know? And you might not be as hardcore in your training one year to the next, but it's a life thing and things are going to change in terms of like like what we spoke about things are going to change in terms of your main motivators and what you enjoy doing one week you might one year you might like playing tennis one year you might love lifting heavy weight in the gym but it changes mm. big time so big myth is that you can make massive lasting changes in 6 8 12 weeks mm. massive myth things take a long time like Rome wasn't built in the day. It's very, very true. There's like, an element of sustainability. Yeah. So like, totally. Like, like things take take time. Mm. And, and it's good to build some habits in that time. But in terms of making um, a really, really, really big change that's going to completely last, um, it takes a bit more time. So the, so that that's a bit of a myth. Um, what else do I have myth-wise? Lifting heavy, I'm going to speak... Uh, speak specifically about females (laughs) lifting heavy is going to make you bulky not the case and there's a lot of reasons to lift weights and heavy weights aside from hypertrophy a lot of reasons strong bones power strength strong ligaments and tendons mental clarity there's a lot of reasons and and guys with a hell of a lot of testosterone, more testosterone in their body than females struggle hard enough to get big. I've made that have been trying for years mate, yeah. and they still can't get big. Yeah. And that's their goal. Yeah. Like females generally don't have that goal. Right. Like that's not really necessarily their goal. I'm like, I'm tarring every female with the same brush. Obviously there's some that that is their goal, but lifting weights, making you bulky as a female is absurd because the only way that you're really going to properly grow and see massive change in size is if you couple that with diet change. Everything's anchored by your diet anyway. It's like, like if if you're a guy trying to put on some size, if you're lifting weights and you're not getting enough calories and protein in, good luck. You're just going to be tired and fatigued. And you will notice some change in your body, but, it's, it's, it's all anchored by your diet. And they got another Especially one. Especially trying to train the house down. You're just not eating enough, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, <sighs> man, it's Testosterone important. Testosterone level is tired. And you're like, fuck, why am I not getting bigger? And <laughs> man, I can even say from my point of view that I had the training down, background down when I was young. Mm. So transitioning into training hard just with weights was easy. But I didn't really notice an aesthetic change too much until I started dialing into my diet. Mm. And that just, that, that small imp- incremental changes that's not like all the once i didn't become you know i didn't become the person i am overnight it took a lot Uh, like it took accumulation of knowledge it took a long time to build Mm -hmm. like and then when i started properly dialing in with my diet that's when i started properly noticing change aesthetically so that's another really big myth and i got one more yeah Uh, carbs are bad (laughs) like unless you're unless you're thriving on a ketogenic diet and it takes weeks if not months to actually put yourself into ketosis ketosis, Mm. then carbs are what's giving you energy Mm. and that's what's helping you train hard and recover so all carbs do and this is 99% of people's goals are to lose weight, right? So, all carbs do when you drop them is you lose weight on the scales quickly because they hold so much water. Mm -hmm. The water retention with carbs is very, very high. But that's not even body fat, that's water retention. So that's why, this is a whole nother
0: kettle of things. <laughs> yeah, going on. But, um, but I'm so intrigued though for, for trainers and their myths because, you know, mm-hmm. the really knowledgeable ones are the ones who aren't pushing things like a six to eight to 12 week mm-hmm. challenge. will, you know, you know, kind of say somewhere in or in around that range, right? You just mm-hmm. want sustainability, carbs are not great. You know, all those kind of knowledgeable things because, you know, they're the things pushing you forward and they're the things that are holding <coughs> you back in a way 100%. from your goals.
1: And men like I said six eight 12 week challenge mm, granted they, they, they're good they're good to kickstart you in in the direction mm. but in terms of that being the start and finish line for you that's a myth mm. yeah and people believing that that's the case once once they do that they'll have the dream body or they'll that that's not the case mm. so that, that's the myth but they are a very good tool to get you started and get you moving yeah And it's, it's something that can hold you accountable, which is a tick, but as a, as a challenge that's going to make lasting change, not necessarily, not necessarily.
0: One of the biggest tools of accountability that people do look for in the health and fitness is a trainer. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's big. Yeah. With being a personal trainer Mm -hmm. and working with clients, how has your client, personal trainer relationship developed over the years?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a really good question. (laughs) um i've really had to self-assess my level of involvement with involvement with my clients Mm. because personal training is personal so people will come to you for guidance in the fitness space but then also people you see them regularly. Yeah. So you become friends. Like I have clients that I see more than I see my f- mum and dad my, easily. Like I see them three, four, sometimes five times a week. Um, and then they even go to the gym on off days to do a program I've given them. So I still run into them. and We have a chat. So over the, and this is the whole, when you're young, you're a little bit ignorant, right? And I was the type of kid to go a million miles an hour until something stopped me. Then when something stopped me, I'd go a million miles an hour again until something stopped me again. But now I'm learning to realize where to put a lot of my energy and then where to maybe pull back a little bit. Because I used to be that that trainer that would, I would be very invested. And this is the type of person I'm, this is how I've been raised. Yeah. I'd be very invested in everything going on in their life. Like if they had something going on in their life that was um, maybe weighing them down, I'd ask them how they were and they'd tell me about it and I would, um i'd want to fix it fix it yeah but you can't fix it no
0: definitely and, and
1: all you all that happens is you become a sponge and you absorb everything and then you become fatigued and you burn out and you're tired and you're like shit. why am i so fatigued right now like why am i so tired and it's because you're just taking on so much of people's things, just yeah. issues and you're not actually fixing any of them and Yes, it's a good quality. You're trying to, maybe not necessarily trying to fix it, but that you care and that you're empathetic. But at the same time, there needs to be some boundaries put up between that. So and man, pretty, I've, I've made some great friends yeah. um, who have been my clients. But over the years, I've learned to, um, I guess, maybe bridge the gap between professional and personal. personal. Yeah,
0: so mm. well, instilling some boundaries has probably been the biggest tool that you've learned
1: professionally. Yeah, it's says awesome. yeah. I mean, Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. And um, another really big one is that people are motivated by different things. You can't you can't motivate everyone the yeah. same way, man. Yeah. Like a really simple example, a really black and white example is, you might be motivated by me. Just say like you're getting trained by me. You might be motivated by me going like, "Come on, buddy, let's fucking go! One more rep, one more rep." Whereas. Jacinta, who's a 41-year-old mum with two kids and hasn't slept last night because yeah, her baby's yeah. kept her up, she doesn't want to get screamed at, dude. Like, like I can't I can't have the same motivational drill for everyone. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. So I think as a trainer, and this goes back to the like the textbook, no one really gives a crap about. Like people do care how knowledgeable you are. Yeah. But I think how you interact with them and your emotional intelligence is so much higher, so much more valuable to them. Because man, if you can't connect with them and motivate them in the way that they like and be able to identify that, I don't think asking them is necessarily the thing to do, right? You just got to kind of read the room. You yeah, don't, exactly. so how, like what motivates you? Like, how, like you know, well, it doesn't really work like that. You need, you need to kind of be able to read it. Yeah. And I think it's a very, very valuable skill. And I've actually, I think dedicated probably 60% of my time on the emotional learnings over intellectual learnings. And intellectual is obviously important. I'm not saying it's not, especially because the results speak. So if you're not intellectually with it, you're not going to get people the results. But at the same time, if you're not emotionally with it, I personally think that, you're not gonna get the results exactly. even more mm, exactly and as a trainer there are the few people that just want a friend yeah. and want a relationship yeah and just want to get a sweat on yeah 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 but then most people come to you with the goal like mm. people want to yeah look get good Form feel good yeah perform better be healthy for their kids so yeah that's probably the, the biggest things i've learned man yeah And now like we're
0: seeing, obviously, it's been a while, the fitness industry is somewhat saturated, right? Personal trainers, (laughs) somewhat. um, Personal trainers, coaches, et cetera. Mm. I mean, from where you stand, I mean, what's kind of been the biggest – I guess the biggest helper, like for you to grow your personal brand, because you are, you know, senior so personal trainer, you've got to grow your own brand, yeah. you've got to bring clients in, it's business, right? Mm, of course. What's been the biggest standpoint for you and a few key points that's made you grow and you grow that you would like to share with the audience or anyone listening?
1: Um, probably two things. Yeah. Number one is I practice what I preach. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, like, I, I haven't got into this industry because I. It's a bludge thing for me. It's like I properly love it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll be good at this. And i dedicated a lot of time, a lot of hours, a lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights, like grinding myself and then helping other people grind. Mm. And then this is that silver lining. This is my second one, my story. Because it makes me relatable. Yeah. It makes me a little bit more soft. Yeah. Like, wow, this guy's actually been through some shit. Yeah. Like he's um, he doesn't take stuff for granted. Exactly, he's not just he's not just walking on a cloud. A bit you know? personable. He's yeah. got some levels of gratitude for things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it it um, it gives me more. I don't know about credibility, but it gives me more of a connection straight off the bat with people, and um, yeah, man, I really think the emotional side of things is is big, because yeah. people want to be people remember how you make them feel, so. People don't remember the shit you tell them, man. Like I could, I could be the I could give you the craziest amount of information in a session. And I've done it before, mm. man. This is something that I've had to learn and adapt over time to as well. I used to just say all this stuff and I'd almost just be like teaching myself. Cause people don't retain the shit that you tell them on a, you know. On a scientific level when you're, you're training them necessarily. let's <laughs> nah, nah. folks about looking that way. Yeah, you know people, right? are, yeah people are just yeah. like, they they're shut up. They just want you to tell them what to do. They want to come in. They trust you. Yeah. So then they care about how you make them feel, how you motivate them, how you inspire them, the things you say to them. That's a very, very important part, part. of it. Really mm. important part. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. Mm. That's
0: incredible. Now, I guess as we're kind of, I'll always ask this question. Yeah, I'll always ask this question, my man. Um, to guess, but where does Max Pertzell see himself five years from now? <laughs> five years, man. <laughs> That's very. I'm very interested in the answer too, because you have like you shared your journey. It's inspiring. I'm yeah. like very interested to see where you go in the future. What your aim is? I'd love to go on Survivor. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, probably win would, for sure, man. I think it would be a really <laughs>
1: good showcase. Of, um, yeah, my story. Mm. And I'd, I'd love to inspire a hell of a lot of people on a platform yeah. like that. I'd love to do something like that in the next five years. Yeah, So I'll just apply every time it comes out, like whatever. Yeah. And um, hopefully I get it happens at some point. And then, man, I just want to enjoy being young. Yeah. Like I want to travel with my girlfriend. I want to – I've always been someone that's looked into the future and not appreciated the now. And I look back on two two years ago, I was like, fuck, that was the life. And I love my life now. Oh. So I want to make sure that I'm appreciating it now. And I think the next five years is gonna be like that. I don't think I'll have kids in the next five years. Yeah. Honestly, it'll be getting pretty close. But I just wanna like live, man. Live and love and laugh and just enjoy. Cause time time's gonna fly. And you never know how long you got yeah exactly
0: honestly H- time's, fuck, it's such a beautiful thing especially again mm. like targeted with this at least audience of the young males man like you go through this ride so quickly yeah. we don't really think about it too much and yeah like, yeah yeah you're with your buddies and you're having a good time and it's just like fuck I look back to those times yeah, gone, yeah. like I'm literally I'm a bit older than you 28 and a lot of my mates are settling down and it's like shit I've been thinking about I remember that time when I lived back home and with the boys, and it was just, you know, paying $200, you know, a a fortnight or a week rent or something. like, with cash my mates and just run to muck in Portland. Like, you exist those days more than anything. Exactly. In time, you get
1: less and less of that with your buddies as well. And it's just like,
0: I'd love to go back to those days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, man, those days are um, everything's in stages, man. Like, you appreciate things for what they are at the time. And those, the fact that you had those memories is a good thing. Mm. you just take them on you carry them on but this is why it's important to make sure that you're living every period of your life to the fullest because they're the memories you're going to look back on and be like fuck yeah Mm. if you're always just living in the past like shit like i love those days i miss those days then you're missing the now yeah and people do it with when they have kids all the time they're worried about the future or they think about the past and they miss their kids growing up yeah like it happens all the time do you think you can be too present do I think I'm yeah. too do think present? You,
0: do you think you can be? No, not you, but just anyone can be too present. Like we've got to have this eye. I'm just intrigued. Um,
1: <laughs> that's a good question. I think, I think some sort of uh, future planning is yeah. beneficial.
0: Yeah, goals.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think some sort of goal and direction of where you're heading is is beneficial, and the exact path and map of how to get there. No, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's not linear, man. It's yeah. all over the place. But having some sort of direction, you know, like maybe five years you want to settle down and have kids, yeah. ten years you want to have your own house, whatever it is, man. Like I think some sort of direction is important. Yeah. For, yeah. Sure. For, for sure, for sure. But definitely important to live yeah. <laughs> in the present as well. Yeah. They say that living in the past is stressful and living in the future is anxious, yeah, that's sweet spot. Yeah. That sweet spot is you. you Got to live in the now and yeah. just take take the moments. Yeah, exactly that's
0: right. important. It's a sweet. That's that's an amazing message. Mm, easy to take for yeah. granted. for sure. Now, Max, where can people find you? Audience listening, who inspired by a story, I'm
1: sure. Where can they find you as your um, social media, etc. Yeah, Instagram I'm on uh, there at Max Pertzel and then TikTok Max Pertzel as well. Mm. Pretty sure it's Max Pertzel. I've yeah. changed it a few times in the last <laughs> few months. <laughs> I think it's yeah, Max Pertzel on Instagram
0: and and TikTok. My man, thank you for giving up your time. Amazing story. I mean, you know, we got a bit philosophical there, but I love that. And man, I appreciate you, know, you having me super on. Super organic, and thanks for giving up your time, man. I think people, a lot of, man, and people will get a lot out of this story, man. How are
1: yeah, you I really appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Patty, for you your time. Cheers. Cheers.